This is the Pursuit of Endurance podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pursuit of Endurance podcast, a show where we bring you stories from the world of endurance sports. We speak with the guest athlete in each episode who share their inspiring journey and experience. In this episode, we speak with Ajit Tandoor, a man who is well known in the endurance sports circle. We met Ajit at his wonderful homestay called Organics in Mysore. I and a couple of my friends rode on our bicycles to Mysore, my longest ride to date, which was not too bad. Arpana ended up being our crew driving up all the way. Ajit is an all-round athlete, organic farmer, and really an encyclopedia of information. We had so much to cover, we decided to break the conversation into two parts. Our conversation was on the kitchen table, and you will hear some screeches in the background. That's not an animal, it's our son, Agastya. No level of editing could help get rid of this because of his high-pitched excitement. So please bear through those seconds. It is well worth as we go real deep on these episodes. Listen on. This is part one. Welcome to the Pursuit of Endurance podcast. I'm Nikhil. Hi, I'm Arpana. Today we're speaking with Ajit Tandoor and we are super excited to be in his place, Organics Farm, which is just at the foothills of the Chamundi Hills. Ajit, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great talking to you. We are recording this from Ajit's kitchen, which is uh, filled with lots of organic food. <laughs> Thankfully, I've already had lunch. Let's get started with, with your running story. Tell us, tell us about your first running experience. Why did you start running? Well, see, frankly, I have been into fitness ever since I was a kid because I, I started to swim when I was still in school, probably in the fourth or fifth standard. So, uh, it's been pretty much there, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the fitness activity. Uh, but the long distance running, the endurance running thing just happened by chance. Uh, you know, on one of those days, uh, I was on the treadmill and uh, another friend of mine said, Hey Ajit, uh, uh, there's this midnight marathon happening, shall we go? And that was uh, way back in 2009, if I'm not mistaken. And that was in Whitefield in Bangalore. So I said, listen, I don't know what a marathon distance is. So can you let me know what what distance? No, apparently it's a half marathon. Yes. Okay, so I don't know a marathon distance. So how would I know half? What's the distance? Tell me the distance. <laughs> and he says 21 kilometers. I said, Are you crazy? 21 kilometers? No way. I'm, we run some four or five kilometers here on the treadmill or on the streets. We are not going to be able to do that. And he said, no, we'll just go, it should be fun, we'll run as much as we can and come back. So I said, okay, if that's the attitude, let's go. And uh, so we had a whole lot of cousins, my family, my wife, my daughters, everybody there to support us. So, and it was in two loops, you see, so 5.25 kilometers out and back and one more loop of that. So that would make the 21 kilometers. So we started off midnight, very cold in Bangalore like 10 years ago in Whitefield was like 
called. Mm-hmm. And this was in December. It was in December. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we started off and we were reaching the 5.25 kilometers and the mind and body is already kind of synchronizing and saying, okay, Ajit, you never ran more than 5 kilometers. You have done your 5.25 now and you have to take a U-turn and go back all the way. So call it a day, <laughs> or rather call it midnight, <laughs> and stop at the U-turn point and that's more than sufficient, you've done 10.5. So, you know, that's how the mind was, mind and body was preparing to say, okay, at the end of 10 kilometers, let's stop. Oh, we're getting closer and closer to the U-turn point, a lot of people cheering everybody, you know, friends and relatives and everybody. As I'm getting closer and closer to the U-turn point, there's one voice that goes kind of more clear and loud and clear. And what's the voice saying? It's saying, go daddy, go! That's my daddy! Go daddy! And it turns out it was my eldest daughter. And I have three, mind you. The other two are quiet. It's just my eldest daughter <laughs> screaming her head off. Now what do I do? Oh, I can't disappoint the little girl. When my body is saying, listen, just stop. So there was no way I am going to do that. So I continued with that huge smile and took the U-turn and went back and finished the 21 kilometers that day. That's it. After that, I was simply hooked to long distance running for a good 10 years. So even today, I tell my daughter Aditi, you are responsible for being a, mm-hmm. me being an endurance runner. And that eventually resulted in me being an endurance uh, cyclist, endurance swimmer, everything. So excellent. Yes. That's a great, great gift. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure you continue to hear her voice when you when you run a race now. <laughs> that that's a great story. I mean, that's very interesting. So from a non-runner, now uh, recently you podiumed in uh, Bangalore Marathon. So yeah. could you tell us about this journey? How uh, how the whole journey has been for you, and how do you get here? Mm, yeah, it's very interesting. You see, um, when I started to run way back in 2009, I used to have a lot of issues uh, with my knees. And uh, basically, I was told that uh, my my feet are pronating outwards mm-hmm. and uh, I need to get a lot of support for my arch and I was uh, advised uh, shoes which uh, mm-hmm. support the arch and things like that. But frankly, I mean, uh, it was like wearing uh, two ships on your <laughs> feet and running. So, but uh, I did buy those of shoes and everything and uh, still tried to run. But I had a lot of issues with uh, my knees. Now, in 2011, I had registered peer pressure, you see, <laughs> Jagger Jaguars, and everybody had registered for the Mumbai Marathon. So I went ahead and registered too. And the maximum I had done until then was a half marathon. Uh, and my knees are troubling me and stuff. So I had gone on a holiday to visit my family. My wife and daughters were in Sydney, so I went there. So we were in the city and just window shopping. And uh, I saw in one of the footwear stores uh, a pair of Vibrams. Mm. So. I walked in there and said, what's this whole thing, etc. And mind you, it, it, it costed quite a bit uh, in Sydney because again, it was imported from the US, $200. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll get a pair. There are so many things I've tried. Uh, 
let me try this as well mm. and mind you uh, this i bought on the 15th of december mm. and the mumbai marathon was on the 15th of jan mm. okay so i bought that and started running on the vibrams so vibrams for uh, our listeners who don't know what vibrams are there are minimalistic Absolutely, yes. Say uh, two to three millimeters of material between the ground and your foot, and it fits like a glove. It's as good as running bare feet. That's right. Yes. So I started to run the very next day. The first day I did eight kilometers on it. Uh, a little bit, you know, I could I could feel a little bit of a. Uh, pain in the foot because it's still not used to yeah, the yeah. barefoot running kind of thing you see so frankly every alternate day i i, start, I ran with it uh, and increase the distance slowly to 8 to 10 kilometers 12 kilometers 15 kilometers like that and uh, after the new year's eve on the on the 1st of jan on the 1st of jan uh, all of us family had gone on a holiday to short distance away from sydney mm. so i woke up early in the morning not too early my i ran pretty much in the sun i think i probably started at 7:30 or so uh, and i wanted to run at least 33 kilometers that day mm. for otherwise there's no way i'm going to be able to because then i have to rest and i, I can't be running 33 kilometers of until the day before the race okay. so that was my last long run i did 33 kilometers on that day surprise surprise no problem with the knees no problem with uh, anything at all so that was it so i got hooked on to minimalistic uh, uh, running footwear because of the knee issues that i had mm-hmm. wearing shoes interesting mm-hmm. so believe you me ever since in the last 10 years mm-hmm. i have not had any trouble at all with my knees wow. or or anything that was a one more uh, major uh, thing falling into place for mm-hmm. me because otherwise i was uh, really struggling with uh, knee issues mm-hmm. so after having done that i went i went to mumbai i did my full marathon again not too bad i finished it in 4 hours and 20 minutes mm-hmm. yeah after that there was really no looking back mm-hmm. i did try my stint at uh, total barefoot running as well but then um, i don't know several times i i i stepped on a glass piece and uh thorn here and there so i said what the point i mean mm. this vibrams uh, serve the purpose so i'm doing that and off late of course for the last 2 years i've been running on uh, the aqua shoes from from decathlon mm. which are easier to access and uh, you don't have to import them and stuff because vibrams are still not kind of openly available out here right yeah uh, maybe in a few places maybe in i think a couple of shops in bangalore do have it now yeah uh, yeah but i'm pretty happy with the, the aqua shoes right so you are a big proponent of math uh, the mathaton method yes um uh, can could you tell us about what drives you to uh, follow that and uh, you know what you think about the whole uh, method you see um, this again uh, i chanced upon uh, uh Uh, rather bumped into uh, the mafeton method uh, talking to friends and uh, you know uh, so a couple of my friends uh, in the mysore runners itself a guy called sandeep mm-hmm. and also um, prajwal um, they had heard about it somewhere and then we ordered for the book prajwal ordered for the book and we all read that 
and somehow it made a lot of sense uh, to us mm. uh, to uh, run using the Maffeton method. Uh, very briefly, it's uh, you see, Dr. Maffeton is uh, a doctor and a long distance runner and has been a coach for many endurance uh, runners um, almost all his life for, for 40 years. So, his observation uh, he has written down literally in that book and what he says is basically our body has two kinds of muscles, the aerobic muscles and the anaerobic muscles. The aerobic muscles use oxygen and your own body fat for energy. And how wonderful is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no dearth of both. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have enough fat in the body and we have enough oxygen in the air. Whereas your anaerobic muscles use the glycogen that is already stored in each of those muscle cells. Mm -hmm. Glycogen is another form of sugar, so the, the, the glucose in your blood is converted to glycogen and stored there mm -hmm. to be used. Now his observation was that uh, at lower heart rates, it's mainly the aerobic muscles that function, that provide the energy for any activity that you're doing. In this case, we're discussing endurance. Yeah. It could be running, it could be swimming, it could be cycling, whatever. Yeah. So at lower heart rates, you are using your aerobic muscles. And at higher heart rates, the anaerobic muscles start taking over. Now, well, if our body has aerobic muscles and anaerobic muscles and if we want to use both of them, there is nothing wrong. But he further explains there and says, but the unfortunate part is that the anaerobic muscles, when you are running at higher heart rates, are literally functioning exclusively. The aerobic muscles have kind of, you know, uh, stopped functioning and it is the anaerobic muscles which are functioning. And they use only the glycogen that is already stored in the cell in each of those muscle cells and unfortunately at high heart rates they don't last more than two and a half three minutes mm. so there he explains so this is the issue so you have to train your aerobic muscles and get the best out of them get them you know yeah. the efficiency out of them that way it was going to help you to uh, increase your pace at a lower heart rate Mm -hmm. And you have no dearth of energy because you are using your own body fat. So, you are literally burning fat for energy. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> that logic sounded uh, really good to me. And, and frankly, mm, let's say I chanced upon endurance running, chanced upon an endurance uh, uh, cycling, etc. And uh, at the back of the mind, there was always the wish to uh, shed weight as well. Mm. I'm sure it is it is the case in 90% of the people who want to go into any kind of endurance sport or any kind of sport or, or gymming or whatever. The main intention would be to lose some weight. Mm. So this sounded so good. So you do something at a low heart rate, you end up burning fat. So that's wonderful kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, having said all this, I did observe that uh, over a period of time, at my, okay, let me explain to you what this low heart rate is. So, MAF says, I mean, Maffeton, Dr. Maffeton says it is 180, 180 minus your age. Mm. And if you have been into endurance sport for a while, you could even add another five mm. heartbeats to it. Mm. So, that will be your threshold 
एरोबिक हार्ट रेट मीनिंग अप टिल देर एट दैट अप टिल दैट हार्ट रेट इट इज मेनली योर एरोबिक मसल्स दैट वर्क बियॉन्ड दैट हार्ट रेट the anaerobic muscles will start functioning as well and there will be a certain point where it is only the anaerobic muscles that are working and not your aerobic muscles at all right. so i started to train and uh, like he said it took me uh, it takes different people different uh, periods of time to see the effect yeah. of uh, an improved aerobic base so in my case it took me uh, at least 6 months Uh, but in the six months, um, I started to do it at my aerobic heart rate. When I started to do it, I literally had to partly run, partly walk to bring down my heart rate, and then start running again. That's how it started. Um, but as I went along, uh, I didn't have to stop at all, and and my pace really uh, picked up at that same heart rate. So that was wonderful, and. Uh, and the other thing is okay so you start training like this it doesn't mean you have to keep doing this forever mm-hmm. meaning obviously there's a race coming up mm-hmm. on race day yeah. obviously you're not going to say okay i'm going to run at my threshold aerobic heart rate on that day you are going to take your and frankly there is nothing wrong at all or rather it is stupid not to use your anaerobic muscles what are they there for mm-hmm. you want to use them too yeah. but then you have to understand that they last only 2 and a half minutes so what does that mean you have to have glucose ready in your blood to be replenishing replenishing the glycogen as you go constant supply which is why i mean, i understood the science behind it and which is why i was kind of uh, surprised how endurance sports persons have been guided mm. to carb load before a race <laughs> frankly it doesn't help yeah that's true what what's the point loading yourself for two or three days before a race because simply because there is only that much glycogen that can be stored in your muscle cells and you're not using it on a daily basis you're going to use it up on race day so what's the point loading because whatever excess sugar whatever excess carb that you loaded with is going to only end up as extra fat on your body <laughs> so you'll probably you'll probably end up making yourself 2 kilos heavier before your race so once i reach the peak see when you are when you are training uh, with the math method you are at a low low pace and as you go your pace improves and obviously at some point you'll hit a plateau okay you yeah. hit a plateau and it's not going yeah. better that is the time for you so you should you have to plan it in such a way you have a race coming up so you plan it in such a way you you plateaued and once you plateaued you then try you then try some of your 80% efficiency or 75% efficiency runs to see how your body is coping how your anaerobic muscles will cope and how you need to support on race day because obviously on race day see on practice days because you're doing all aerobic mm. you really don't need uh, uh, an extra supply of uh, sugar or uh, maybe the salts yes because you're sweating anyway mm-hmm. so maybe some water maybe some salt yes but sugar simply not required yeah. mm-hmm. but at least in my case i've not used any sugar at all on any of the practice runs mm-hmm. even on long runs 30 35 kilometers no yeah. on practice runs mm-hmm. 
but for race day yes i did figure out um, mm, i'd like to talk about two of them one was in 2017 in uh, sydney i ran the sydney marathon mm. uh, and uh, there i my intention was to finish it in 345 i did not stick to any bus there uh, i didn't stick to the 345 bus i just ran on my own but i had figured out that uh, on practice runs um, that my need what my need of sugar will be so uh, in sydney as well i i managed to get uh, powdered uh, um, jaggery and salt mm. uh, mixed it uh, and even the salt i figured out uh, that i carried let's say a, a 150 ml sized bottle in my waist mm. uh, waistband uh with uh, almost full with jaggery uh with uh, say half a teaspoon mm. of uh, salt that's mm. it yeah. mixed it all up and uh, and i figured i had figured out in my practice runs that i'll need to replenish my mm. uh, sugar needs every 20 to 25 minutes mm. and fortunately there were that many uh uh aid stations so i had to carry a bottle in my hand uh, on practice runs i don't do it anyway because mm. i don't need it mm. uh, but on race day it is required but then there are aid stations so i did not carry a bottle uh, in my hand so so whenever so the, the the logic the, the strategy was as i see uh, uh, an aid station coming up i get this bottle out take two pinches of the jaggery and salt so get to the aid station drink a little water and carry on mm-hmm. so so in that race i managed to i i didn't do 345 i closed i finished it in 347 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then the 2018 uh, uh, bangalore marathon pretty much the same logic and everything but there i did stick to the 345 bus mm-hmm. i stuck i stuck to the 345 bus and uh, i started to break away from the 345 bus uh, say when there was another 7 or 8 kilometers to go uh, for the finish mm. and that i finished in 341 mm. oh. wow. yeah. <laughs> so so two quick things math for uh, those who don't know is the maximum aerobic function when we say run under the threshold that is based on the formula you just mentioned it will work if you run under the maximum aerobic function so that's mm-hmm. the aerobic capacity yeah. and the book you were referring to is the big book of endurance that's by right. dr yes. mafton yes i have a question so mm. you talked about how carb loading a couple of days before the race really doesn't help so what do you think helps what should people do instead of carb loading what should be done well frankly uh, i think uh, see obviously uh, i must also say that we are all each one of us is made differently yeah. okay so um, so maybe uh, for some the efficiency of uh, the glucose getting converted to glycogen and getting stored in the mm. uh, muscle cells may not happen very efficiently mm. so possibly in, in in those cases they probably need a little more Uh, intake of uh, carbs mm-hmm. uh, than probably i need mm-hmm. so, so we are all made differently right. so ideally you know one should take the time uh, and have the patience to understand one's own body mm-hmm. and listen to one's own body mm-hmm. because how much ever reading that you do uh, these are some 
uh, intricacies that one will have to figure out for oneself, mm. right? That's very important. I mean, sure. uh, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I, I can't just because I used uh, jaggery and uh, salt, uh, two pinches of it uh, every twenty minutes or twenty-five minutes. It may not work for you. You will have to figure out what works for you. Sure. You may not. You may not even need that much, or even you may need more. You don't know. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. In fact, uh, you see, uh, tea is very relevant, but uh, I'll be slightly deviating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, the thing is, so there's something called uh, insulin resistance. Mm. Okay. Now, why I'm mentioning that is because, see, you have glucose in your blood, yeah. which gets converted to glycogen and store gets stored in your liver and all the muscle cells. In some people, it happens very efficiently. Mm-hmm. In some people, it does not. Mm. So it's not as if it's just the two extremities that exist. So it's like a whole scale. You could be anywhere. If your insulin, uh, you know, uh, sensitivity is very good, you are top notch. You are mm-hmm. you are here, let us say. But if you are somewhere in between, you could be here. Or if it is worse, you could be here. Mm-hmm. You know. So when the when a person is insulin resistant, mm-hmm. what it really means is your insulin is not able to convert the same amount of glucose. Mm-hmm. Uh, into glycogen and store them there as efficiently as in a person who is insulin sensitive. Mm-hmm. So instead, what happens to that glycogen? Yeah. So uh, for that kind of persons, for for a person who is insulin uh, uh, resistant, frankly, I mean, if you ask me, that kind of person should not be racing. Mm-hmm. Does it not make sense to simply follow? the mafetone method and simply run with a low uh, heart rate meaning at the below or at the threshold aerobic heart rate and keep burning your body fat yeah versus going anaerobic which will force you to get more sugars in yeah and which you'll expend and you will have to re- replace yeah correct so it's like a vicious circle you see so this is the most efficient uh, thing to do. See, I'm 60 now. The reason why, see, for the last two years, after the Bangalore Marathon, I have not participated in any events. I don't go, I don't register, I don't go participate in any races, events, etc. Simply because, first and foremost, I'm not after distance or time anymore. Because I have understood pretty well what's good for my, me, for my body, and uh, how to keep myself from, let's say, putting on weight mm-hmm. or becoming inefficient or becoming, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I have figured out lifestyle changes um, that keep me perfectly healthy uh, without having to do uh, those distances and also to concentrate uh, on my work, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, so that's the reason why I'm not uh, mm. so much uh, keen on going uh, to races anymore because I'm not after time anymore. Whatever little I wanted to achieve, I, I, I think I have. So mm-hmm. you've achieved a lot. You've achieved <laughs> a lot, and in and within a decade, right? Yeah. You are the chief architect behind the triathlon Thunder. Uh, tell us about how that started and uh, how did you venture into all that. 
Oh, that really is so interesting. In the second part of our conversation, we continue talking about Ajit's triathlon journey and he shares many more diet and nutrition tips. If you haven't already subscribed, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Uh, it could be Spotify, Google, whatever you choose. Follow us on Instagram so you know when new episodes are up. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay healthy.